0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Fort Podcast. My name is Chris Powers, and I wanna thank you for joining me today. This show is an open-ended discussion and journey covering real estate, business, entrepreneurship, and investing. I would love to hear from you by tweeting me at Fort Worth Chris on Twitter. And if you've enjoyed this show, I would be super grateful if you would follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to. And if on Apple, it would mean a lot if you'd leave a rating and review. Last but not least, you can find all these episodes on YouTube. Thank you so much again for joining me and enjoy the show. Hey guys, it's Chris. I'm really excited to reshare this episode I did with Nick Huber, AKA Sweaty Startup, earlier this year. Uh, We cover a lot. This was a cool episode. A lot of the lessons that I learned uh, over the last 15 years of what we think about when we are thinking about selling an asset my my typical rant on gp fees and why they're important to build an operating company and of course a lot of the mistakes we've made along the way and, and how we've learned from them so it's always a pleasure to share the mic with my friend nick these are fun conversations and i hope you enjoy this episode is brought to you by fort capital Fort Capital is a privately owned real estate firm in the great state of Texas. We buy Class B Industrial across all the major markets. We are committed to technology. We have a world-class culture. And more than anything, we are a forward-thinking company. If you want to stay in the know on all things going on at Fort Capital, visit us at FortCapitalLP.com, Follow us on LinkedIn or subscribe to this podcast. Fort Capital's quarterly newsletter subscribers are the first to receive business and real estate insights, news, videos, podcasts, free resources and more. Enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to the live webinar, everybody. I appreciate it. This is going to be casual. Chris is used to very structured interviews, but he's a wealth of knowledge. I spent some time in Miami. We can touch on that trip if you want, Chris. To, together as kind of a brainstorming trip, you did some business. I hung out with some friends. We're becoming closer friends over the years. I'm used to doing 10-minute straight shot interviews talking to a camera so you don't catch me much in a casual environment. Chris is always on the other side of the mic even though what you've built at Fort Capital is impressive. You've all heard Chris's story bought 300 million dollars worth of industrial real estate last year building a very big pr- real estate private equity company and it's it's what you're doing is really awesome. People don't understand how big of a badass you are. I wish that you bragged a little more in public. I know you're a very humble dude, but um yeah, you're you're a badass man. I'm excited to riff on a couple of things and the and the topic today is not going to be as much go back in the past and talk about what we've done. We're going to stay in 2021. We might talk about a couple of deals we did in 2021. Talk about where we're seeing things moving in 2022. Um, this is a conversation style. Um, we're going to riff on and we're going to use as kind of a template your tweet thread that you made 18, 19 predictions. So we can use that as a conversation starter. We'll go back and forth. I have some notes. Chris, you have some notes let's give the people what they want Yeah, I'd
0: start by saying uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to get to know you. Miami was a lot of fun, and I want to do more trips like that. Uh, For anybody listening, it was a very small group, but very concentrated, and a lot of ideas came across the table and stuff to build on. Um, I'm looking forward to going through this list. I would start by just saying to anybody listening, my list and the things that we've talked about, a lot of how I've lived my life is um, observing people first. Uh, being willing to learn and ask questions, backing that up with data, going to search for the data to uh, maybe verify what my gut is telling me. Um, so, some of these predictions are very data driven. Some of them are just guts, just watching what people are up to. Um, you know, if you followed me on Twitter, you probably know that I'm a little bit vocal that, you know, I wouldn't trust the headlines in the media. Uh, as much, I'd verify what you're reading because a lot of the times they're very, very wrong and they're meant for different reasons and to provide facts. So you know, some of the things we'll go through today is not what you're reading in the media. So it might sound contrarian, but it's backed up by what people are actually doing and people I'm talking about. So I'm excited to chat.
1: Yeah, Chris, you, you get a beat on a lot of different people. I'll speak from a lot of my personal experience as well, just getting out, seeing, talking to people that I know as well. Guys, come on. We're, it's me and Chris. This is our opinion. Um, don't hold us too, too much, too tight to any of this stuff. We're telling you how, how what we're seeing out there. You might disagree with us, which is great. We might disagree with each other, which is great. All right, Chris, let's dive in. So interest rates fuel our business. Um, real estate in general, when debt is cheap, real estate booms. When debt is expensive, real estate is tougher to buy and therefore uh, less valuable. We know a rate increase is coming. Your first prediction interest rates up a minimum of fifty basis points. That's what we're preparing for. Um, I was talking a lot yesterday during talk with Keith about my debt maturity, how we're worried about those things, how we're going to try to secure longer term debt. We're going through all of our portfolio trying to secure longer term debt um, tell me Tell me why why this is one of your main predictions that interest rates rise.
0: Well, one, the Fed said they were going to do that uh they 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 announced three. But two, like the inflation is running rampant. Um, you know, people are making hand over fist money in some industries. Everybody I, I know
1: is making bank right now.
0: If you're in real estate and not, and again, it's it, there's been the few sectors that are hit more than others. But I, and again, I'm not a, a world economist, finance guru. But I just have this feeling. And again, going back to what the Fed said and, and what we're seeing in our own deals with where rent growth is going. I think the world can handle it. Is it fun? Is it the greatest thing ever? No, it's funner when, um, it's more fun when interest rates go down, but I think we can handle some growth. And on top of that, the Fed said they're gonna do it. Inflation's running rampant. So I thought it was a good prediction.
1: I've seen a little bit of a shift in you. I think, obviously we heard the tremble in your voice when you were recording Fort Podcast in in April of 2020, right? We were all shaking in our boots. You were scared, I was scared. Um, I encourage you to go back and listen to some of Chris's updates at that time just to get a sense for how we felt about things if you were in the the situation that we're in where you own a lot of real estate. Um, Then we talk 12 months later, and you're probably the most bullish that I've ever heard you be. Um, And then I talked to you in Miami two weeks ago, and it's kind of shifted back to a little bit of caution. And okay, um, you talked about how you're going to worry about some of your maturities, try to get some different debt set up. Um, What keeps you up at night right now from from a real estate perspective.
0: Yeah, I would say the one thing I learned is that the scariness came from not necessarily industrial real estate, is what I was scared about. I just was scared for the world.
1: And this is two weeks ago. This is what? You're talking about recent, recently. I'm not, like,
0: about, I'm not about April of 2020. Like yep, when yep, I was yep. very, very scared was um, you know, you you can't just stop, shut down the world and it just like flick a switch. Like, the the time it takes to shut down the world, it probably takes 10 times as long to turn it back on. And that's what we're experiencing now. So, but but what I really learned was in a time of fear, if I just looked at the fundamentals of industrial, and again, hindsight's 2020, and it's why I probably went from scared to really bullish. And I talk about these fundamentals all the time, they got stronger for industrial, and it took me about 90 days from April to go from telling our team like I don't know when we'll buy our next deal to we need to start buying quick that the, the fundamentals are all starting to stack up again so that's probably what I should have paid attention to but the scariness came from more than just business there's things you know in life outside of business and now I don't know if it's like bearish or caution um again if I just stick to industrial I'm actually still very very bullish but you know, you saw a lot of crazy shit happen the last couple of years. Meme stocks and you know things that you know things trading at high multiples. Cars or a car was a better investment than just about anything. I think if you bought the S and P and you bought a Kia car, you did better flipping your Kia. So there's just a lot of weird stuff going on. There's been more debt taken on, and it just seems like. You know, it's sometimes the the euphoria starts to end, and I think we're go- we're starting to see the euphoria end. What does that mean? I have no idea. But the go go days of like twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one seem to be tapering off, and reality starting to set back in. And um, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe I don't know. That's a cause for concern. But it's going to be different. I think it always is.
1: Yeah, we got some good things. I think I'm I am personally happy that growth stocks took a break and have been hammered a little bit. I owned a lot of them. I got hammered, but that's okay. Crypto is not outrageously um, exponential growth anymore, which I think is good long-term for that. So are we still super frothy in some ways? Yes. But you know, people aren't building houses because it's too expensive right now. People aren't building storage facilities because it's too expensive right now. That is still not super easy to get. So um, yeah, I think I feel the same exact as you, like a a unique sense of caution.
0: And inflation is is running, man. I mean, it's I, you know the Fed says or whoever says it's six to eight percent. I think it's fifteen to twenty percent, and mm-hmm. that's that's real. Now, one of my predictions is that the inflation story changes to deflation, which we can talk about. You um, want to? Yeah, let's dive right into but, that, Chris. You know, I would just end that by saying like anybody that's like had a career longer than ten years. We've acted like the last two years, like making money is this easy thing to do. I mean, you get on Twitter and it's this kind of, you know, uh, echo chamber of how e like people flipping stuff and making tons of money. And that's amazing and more power to it. But I, I don't know. And I'm not even that old. I just remember making money was really, really hard. It's, it's very hard. And so, uh, I kind of welcome a little bit of a softening. I think people need to be humbled a little bit and back, you know, brought back to reality. Again, it's not fun. Of course, it's fun to make money. I just think for the betterment of society, at some point, we'll be better off when people have to, I don't know, work harder or try harder to actually, you know, make some money. Um, right now, it's just being. It seems like it's being handed out a lot. Um, I don't think mm-hmm. that's healthy long term.
1: So yeah, I think the bottom bottom of the of the, you know, I guess, wage food chain, the minimum people near minimum wage, they're getting significant rent increases with or, or pay increases with inflation, right? They're making more, they have, they're, they're going switching jobs to make, you know, they were making 10 last year, they're making 15 this year, whatever it is. Um, The people who are getting killed are the middle class that are working for 60 grand a year and getting 5% annual bonuses and they don't own a house, right? They're, they're getting crushed by inflation right now. And it's really hard for them, I think. 100%. So let's talk about the deflation thing. We might as well go right in since that was a good segue. Um, I don't understand that. I want you to explain more about the, the, the actual tweet says, um, do you have it? Do you have it, Chris? Which what, what number yeah, is it?
0: It, it? It's number 18. But I'll start by saying like, and I'm, and I'm reading this. Um, so I'm looking this way. But there's something called the Bolip effect which is, and Wikipedia defines it as a distribution channel phenomenon in which demand forecasts yield supply chain inefficiencies. And so what you're hearing right now is, um, I'll, I'll take one step back. Everybody like on this planet now used to carry like two months of paper towels in their house. And now they have like 24 months of paper towels. We've bought everything. Like it's, it's been bought. Everybody is so far in front of what they usually have. And it's emptied stores, and then on top of that, like productions really shut down, and so you have all these companies that have are forecasting demand based on what they've experienced the last two years, which was high demand, so they're ordering a ton, um, and eventually, as things kind of cycle back through, you might see this period where we have all this inventory that we've ordered, and it's going to be a lot slower for people to buy that um, because uh, they already have it. And so when inflation's going up, there's like this FOMO right now. People are buying stuff because they're scared that the price is going to be up tomorrow. And so if I go to the grocery store and I buy all the milk, well, then the grocery store next door is going to raise their prices on their milk until that's out. And so there's this race to the top but the bullwhip effect would say, you know, when you snap a a deal, it's Uh like that, that that race could happen to the bottom and that all this material that we're buying might be sitting much longer. And so on top of that, um, I think that a lot of these kind of brick and mortar companies are continuing to go, are are continuing to, to decline and technology it's, you know, we sometimes think that technology, we're like in the ninth inning of technology, we really can make an argument we're in the first inning and things are becoming cheaper and these companies are going to continue taking over. I mean, you're seeing like what Tesla's doing to, you know, every car dealer or every car manufacturer in the world, these technology companies are going to continue to take over, which is deflationary pressure. So the third is if we have an economic slowdown, which I'm kind of thinking might happen, and that again, that's for anybody listening, it doesn't mean recession, depression, it just means like not this. Even Mm -hmm. if it was like this, that's a slowdown.
1: Um, That puts deflationary pressure. So I don't know. I just... I think, man, I'll disagree with you there when you say that technology will continue to really take over the world. I I think there'll be diminishing returns of what technology can eventually do. I mean, we can only use so many apps to make our businesses more efficient. My business is pretty damn efficient right now. I don't see us being much different 10 years from now when a human actually still needs to sweep out my unit, but the phone call is answered by somebody in a different country. Um, I I just don't see that next real, that next level of like quality of life improvement that comes from technology. I mean, our phones are already more powerful than we could ever imagine. What is it going to get closer to our body and our ears, make us even more efficient? I think uh, there's just going to be such a tremendous labor crunch. But I agree with you that people are buying way faster than they actually have the human need for these things that they're buying. So yeah. there will be a, a slack in the system when it actually does catch up, and that could really hurt when all these companies report sales sales declines eventually, and yeah, a little bit of deflation and money goes further. Yeah, we'll see. All right, man. So uh, let's talk about industrial rents nationwide, eight percent. I mean, your bull case on industrial is simple. There's not enough of it. They're not making any more of it. You talk you talk about it all the time. I'm even more bullish than you. I think we're going to go up even higher than this because of last mile, and you know uh, you know, what do you call it? So online shopping, you know, e-commerce. Um, what's, what tell me, give me the, give me the take on, on an industrial rents. And then we got to talk storage rents.
0: Yeah. I, I won't, um, I won't like go on my soapbox. That's for another time. There's actually an episode coming out of my podcast on two weeks about my thoughts on industrial, but in, in just like a couple bullet point snapshots, Um, Number one, e-commerce only makes up 17% of all sales in America, 17%. If you ask the average American, especially Twitter people, they probably think like, oh, like everything is sold online. Not true. Um, So uh, e-commerce is exponentially growing the demand, but but, but supply is like linearly being built. You can't exponentially build industrial buildings. And in fact, the world's forces are making it slower to build supply chain city governments making it tougher land prices going up i mean everything on the planet takes much longer to build today than it did 10 years ago the empire state building took 18 months when it was built in the early 1900s it would take 15 years to do it today so you have this increasing demand you have this linear supply um what you said last mile supply chain 15 to 20 percent of the last mile supply chain is sgna 50 to 60% is the last mile costs, And 3 to 6% is the cost of their real estate. It's a rounding error. All this money is being
1: invested into how do we minimize that last mile cost. So I, I wrote a tweet yesterday that... Um, spending double on rent to save you a couple bucks on gas is, is a no brainer.
0: They don't care. So all yeah. these companies are now going, hey, we'll pay higher rent. We just need to get closer to the customer, closer to the customer, closer to the customer. So and so the supply story is there, the demand story is there, um, the technology piece is
1: there, and I could go on and on. Have you thought? Um, I'll challenge. I'll challenge you in one way. Just something that came to my mind just now. A lot of your tenants are e-commerce. A lot of them are also trades people, like HVAC. You know, plumbers, roofers. All these people who are in the construction trade, and that's booming right now, right? So if if interest rates go up, real estate takes a hit. No longer makes sense to develop real estate. Do you see your tenant base? That, that could potentially be a risk factor, right, for your tenant base?
0: No, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 could definitely happen. I think this infrastructure bill, uh, to some degree, is going to keep a lot of yeah. you know, That's <laughs> going to offset things quite <laughs> yeah. a bit. Um, but you're right. I think there will be you know the cities. If you really look at where everybody's moving, it's it really is kind of back to these mega urban areas. Now there might be people in the suburbs. But there'll certainly be folk, uh, places that get hit harder than most when the construction washout kind of finishes. Um, but again, I think that's a time when e-commerce mm-hmm. like blitzes in and yeah, uh, yeah. more. That we'll real estate might become here in a bit. But mm-hmm. largest leasers of office space over the last two years have been mega tech companies. That's not yep. what you're reading or hearing, <laughs> but it's facts. <laughs> What's
1: well, well, going to happen to self storage? Self storage, I think. Um, I, I mean, my my LPs don't i'm 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 incredibly bullish chris i mean i'm putting my net worth in I'm investing every dollar that I have i've co-invested over two million dollars in the past twelve months. We bought fifty million dollars worth of storage in 2021, two thousand twenty one thirty million in the last quarter so um my money is where my mouth is but yeah i mean're we're, we're in small towns man nobody wants to buy our stuff yet so we need we need um things a lot of things to change in our business to really um, exit at the look at the value we want to exit but I don't really want to exit i want to kind of keep running these things and they spit off cash so i think rents are going to go up man we're buying we're buying facilities that they haven't increased rents in five years so not only do you have real time pent-up demand you have uh back demand that has not been you know filled with these rents you know we're talking six seven dollar rents and self-storage facilities that we're buying in these rural markets and and we're taking them up to 10 or 12 and, and leasing units so it's it's crazy man
0: Do you know the answer to this question When when somebody leaves a storage unit, is it because they're taking all their stuff out and like throwing it away and they don't have a storage unit anymore? Or are they just moving it to another storage unit? Like, does the amount of stuff just keep growing? Or do people leave and actually go to the landfill and throw it all away or sell it
1: on Facebook or whatever they do? Like, do you know the answer to that? It goes to so this is another tailwind that I've been thinking a lot about. I mean, it's, it's going to a house or office or warehouse. That's where the stuff is going. Um, but there's a huge shortage of housing. There's a huge shortage of warehousing. And there's a huge shortage of... I mean, not that many people are going back into offices with this stuff. So the housing... The fact that people can't afford housing and there's a big shortage of housing makes it so they live in smaller places and they need a storage unit. Um, the tailwinds the tailwinds are serious as as we continue to go. Yeah. But... Yeah. um. Okay. So outdoor storage, you're talking about truck parking, you're seeing a, a big need for ba- basically last mile equipment to sit and, and be, in, be in a you know a, a usable place out, outdoor, you're talking. And yeah. So like this, most industrial three,
0: facilities you know. are maxing coverage. Uh, but where there's also more 18 wheelers now if, if last mile and delivery matters. I don't know about you, but Amazon literally showed up to my house five times yesterday. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we have a problem or we just <laughs> order now everything online. And we don't have to go to the grocery store and order 50 things at once. We can just kind of pick and get it as we need it. Um, but all these sprinter vans, all these 18 wheelers, all these trucks and equipment need to be somewhere. Um, and there's more than ever before. So outdoor storage. Two, back to the construction and everything. All this construction, like all this machinery and construction material, and this has to be put somewhere. And you know, if you're in a dense city, Having it sit four miles outside of town in some yard as far out as you can get, I'm not saying that doesn't work, but it's a lot cheaper to store it close to the site. Um, so you look at that, you look at kind of motor vehicles, and then you look at all these shipping containers and, and all the... the Again, it gets back to materials and supplies, and you, you drive through, you'll see a lot of these yards now where stuff is stacked up, um, trucks are being parked. Um, and and the question becomes, is there going to be more of that or less of that going forward? I think there's going to be a lot more. Um, and the great thing about these properties is it's literally like land. Um, uh-huh. It's just leasing land. So it's a covered land play. Um, there's a lot of fundamentals. I know in our portfolio, we are often talking to trucking services and things of that nature. So, um, And then again, back to what I'm hearing in the market, funds are being raised like crazy. Mm-hmm. um people are buying this stuff like crazy uh there's a lot of good um you know debt to buy this stuff so i just think it's going to um really take off and partly cuz of demand but it's kind of been ignored i think there's a lot of value in this stuff
1: i think that there's a phenomenon and this is just a theory but this is something that i've been thinking about lately i think there's a phenomenon that wealthy people are the ones who invest but wealthy people are 1% of america I mean, me and you, yeah, we order everything on Amazon because it's easier. The middle class friends that I have, and especially all the lower class people, they shop at Walmart. They show up at Walmart, they load their cars and trucks with Walmart. You know, I, I don't know. It's just a half-baked thought that, hey, maybe the way we live is not necessarily the way that the average American lives and Walmart Target, you know, showing up and doing the pickup. And and also my Amazon experience has sucked lately. I got fake Nike socks, fake the owner that gave me a rash, fake everything on, on Amazon. Um, it's not showing up on time either. Uh, you, you know what I mean? It's like, we're shopping at Target now and we're showing up and they're loading the back of the minivan and we're heading out of there.
0: Yeah. I, this is a dumb question, but is I, I would have assumed things are cheaper on Amazon than they are at Walmart. Is that not
1: no, true? No, 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 not at all. It's, it's kind of shifting now. I mean, people have... Okay. People, they, they have you in the habit of Walmart. I mean, sorry, Amazon, but it's cheaper at Target and Walmart for sure to get it online okay so i'm i'm a i'm more i'm bearish on Amazon i think the largest employer in America in a labor crisis labor crunch and i'm 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 pretty bearish, but we can talk about that another day okay so let's move on to the next
0: topic oh boy
1: so I just put a hat on that says Bitcoin one hundred k that I got from my friend uh pomp when I was in Miami. Chris, you're a huge crypto guy. i I, start by saying
0: I'm not a crypto genius. I wouldn't take this as investment advice. I'm going at it based on, again, people. Um, Institutions have barely dipped their toe in the water. They're all saying Like 2022 is supposed to be their year. There's been a cult. It's a religion. I mean, um, I was talking to a friend the other day, and he said there's more people that called into Washington um, when they announced the... um, you know, some money printing bill they were going to do earlier this year. Part of it came with this regulation on Bitcoin. Well, you might remember on Twitter, the internet like blew up. More people called their politicians about regulating Bitcoin than they did when they shut down the world for COVID. I don't think you can get elected as a politician anymore unless you believe in Bitcoin. Now, I don't know. I'm not an expert on Bitcoin. I'm not sure what all it's going to do. I'm not coming at it from there, but I'm looking at people. And I'm just saying they're the biggest well sources in the world haven't even got in yet. It's become a religion and a
1: cult um, and so I thought it would be a good prediction. It's going to double this year uh we'll okay. see i'll take I'll take the other side just for just for devil's advocate purposes. I'll take the other side. I own Bitcoin, I own own ethereum, I own Solana. I'd like for it to do well. Um, I think web three is massively overblown. I think the average wealthy person in America does not have any clue what the hell it is and doesn't care at all about how it interacts with their life. I'm glad a lot of really smart people are building that space. I realize I'm very ignorant and I realize that the potential is limitless. That's what all the smart people tell me. I still don't get it. If somebody can't explain something to me in a minute and it makes sense, I think it's bullshit. And I've listened to very smart people try very hard to explain Web3 to me and the the purposes and what it does. And um, it's never a good sign when I can't understand something easily. Maybe I'm not very smart. Chris, do you understand what the hell Web3 is? I'm,
0: I'm trying. Uh, for anybody <laughs> watching, I bought this book. And when I was off Twitter for a month, I'm only about halfway through it. It's called The Token Economy. It's done the best job of uh, articulating it to me. But it's very confusing. You're correct.
1: Is there to the a real whole- problem, Chris? That's the thing. Is there a real problem that tokenization and cryptocurrency solve? I mean, I think that there may be problems with liquidity and, and you know, a, a non-regulated asset. I think regulation is pretty damn good for the US dollar and pretty damn good when you get your money stolen and pretty damn good when you want to trust a bank to hold onto it for you. Is the problem big enough? That's the real question in my mind that I don't know the answer to. And yeah, I, think I think people are going to yeah, get tired. tired. The speculators are going to get tired of the fact that, hey, on, on April 2021, nine, nine months ago, Bitcoin was $20,000 more than it is now. The speculators are going to get worn out of having their cash tied up in this asset. Do they start selling it and it just fade off into obscurity? That's you know greater than zero percent chance that happens.
0: All I would say is how I started this. Uh, I follow what are people doing. I don't have to be an expert. The the smartest people in the world are getting into crypto and Web three. I'm sure if we sat in the mid '90s talking about everything the internet would do, we would say, "What does this even mean? This is crazy." Even talking about the cloud is nuts and i think we're just living through one of those times where five or ten years from now it'll all make sense and it doesn't now and i just feel very fortunate to have some capital and you know have a lot of relationships people doing it i'm not going to solve it but i'm going to participate in it i'd be a fool not to um and if i just saw the people and the money getting into this um it's not happening by accident so uh
1: there's a lot of really i don't think the really smart people are the ones that add the most value to the world chris I think the people who get out, do hire, do things with their hands are the ones who really add the most value to the world. So when people always say like the smartest people I know are working on web three and crypto, the smartest people I know have always had their head in something, you know, that's way above the head of the average American. Uh, <laughs> so it's fun. It's fun arguing with you. I'm basically you are sweaty you for the sake of arguing with you now. You are a sweaty <laughs> startup. <laughs> yeah. I'm arguing with you for the sake of arguing now. So
0: Let's take a quick break to highlight this episode's sponsor, Juniper Square. If you aren't familiar with Juniper Square, it's an easy to use all-in-one investment management software designed specifically for real estate owners. We have been using it at Fort Capital for several years now, and it has completely revamped the experience we're able to provide our investors through reporting, management, and efficiency. Here's a bit more on how Fort Capital utilizes the platform. Depending on how fast you read, you can look at our deal, approve our deal, sign our deal, and send money for a deal in under 10 minutes. Assuming you've already understood what the deal is, like the frictional cost of how that all moves through our system now is a matter of minutes and it does not require any human interaction between that unless the investor wants it. We have investors that are in 15 different deals. They can go into their portal online, go to their profile and everything they could want from every document they've signed to every report we've sent to every distribution we've sent. Every point of contact with them throughout the life of the investment is documented in one place. You can check out episode 37 to listen to my full conversation with Brandon or visit cjunipersquare.com for more information. That's s-e-e-junipersquare.com.
1: And now back to the show. Okay, let's talk about B-REAT. Um This is something that I'm excited to talk about. BREAT is uh, yeah, you go for it.
0: BReit is uh, Blackstone's uh, retail non uh, non listed REIT. It's raising on average two to three billion dollars a month. It's basically access all the retail investors in the world can now invest with Blackstone, and they're raising billions of dollars from individuals, uh, folks, or financial planners that that you know manage money for folks with IRAs and four hundred one ks. Um, it is the the beast, and KKr now has k REIT, starwood has s REIT. It is becoming the largest form of capital raising in the world, and this wasn't a hard prediction to make because they already raised the most in twenty twenty one and I think they'll do it again in 2022 that was not a wild prediction
1: um, yeah so it's I don't flowing. think it's
0: discussed enough the the b REIT phenomenon
1: um, just the phenomenon of how capital is raised i think I mean, was there really this many syndicators with this much ac- access to cheap debt and access to capital as there is today? I mean, I don't think that there really has ever been this phenomenon of hey, I can invest with Nick, I can invest with Chris, I can invest with Moses, I can invest with sponsors all over the country doing real estate deals. I can get actual returns instead of bullshit. You know, they're not going to get paid unless I get my six, seven, eight percent preferred return, whatever it might be. Um, Dude, you I think go it's like- on to
0: Twitter now and DM with GPs on the spot. I mean, 20 years ago, you didn't even know who the GP was. There wasn't even the internet to find them. Like you knew the guy around town that was buying properties or the gal that was buying properties. And that's what it was. It, it's changing so rapidly. And it's why one of my predictions is that crowdfunding, crowdfunding's already through the period of like, this is sketchy. This is uh, like we're 10 years into it. We've gotten through the sketchiness. I mean, anybody that still thinks crowdfund is sketchy hasn't done the research. The top crowdfunding websites now are legit as hell. I know several of good friends that I would have thought would have never invested through a crowdfunding website. They're becoming LPs. Um, and you know, we're candidly, Fort Capital is probably, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we do a crowdfunding deal in 2022, 2023. Um but you're seeing tier one firms raise capital through crowdfunding. And it's just the beginning, like we're through the this is kind of sketchy phase.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some really unique things happen. I, I just made myself sound like a crypto and blockchain uh, bear. But I wouldn't be surprised if we tokenize a self storage facility with Bromados in 2022. So <laughs> I'll just put that out there. Um, all right, let's talk about population growth. Chris, you, you're super bull on the south. The South, uh, I'll go ahead and just start this one and just say that the South is getting insanely expensive. Um, It's getting insanely crowded. It's insanely hot. The electrical grid can barely keep up with the amount of AC that needs to run in July in Texas and in Florida and in Georgia, where I live. At what point does somebody say, okay, I'm not going to spend $700,000 for a dumpy house in Austin, Texas? I'm going to go to my small Midwestern town or my Upstate New York town of two hundred thousand people, and I'm going to buy a full-on house for two hundred twelve thousand dollars, a full-on big house to live there and work remotely. And I got a live music venue, I got three craft breweries, I got a, I have a, a, you know, all the fun and quality of life without the traffic, without the expense, and without the blistering heat in the summer. At what point does the tide shift? I mean, how much are people willing to pay to live in these towns? That's the only question I'm really asking. at what point is the cost savings, the actual ability to get ahead in life, worth not living in, you know, DFW, Austin, Miami, you know, these places that are booming?
0: Definitely more expensive than it was a year, a few years ago, but um, a, a little bit. It's double. It's double. Okay, but double is still relative. Like to live in New York and pay five thousand a month, you're living in like a, a shoebox. Um, I'm going to say something controversial. Well, it's controversial <laughs> maybe it. to it. a few people, but it's my belief. People are not just moving to the South because of taxes and, and more affordable. It's freedom. Mm-hmm. We now live in a world where people want to be free. And mm-hmm. the, the South, the Sunbelt states offer freedom. Mm-hmm. My kids and my family are living a completely different reality than folks in some parts of California, New York. Some of these states that are almost tyrannical in a lot of ways when you look at the policies being um, pushed. Now,
1: I'm not. I don't know, man. Downtown, downtown Atlanta, downtown Austin, their schools are out right now because of Omicron. Whereas upstate New York, they're in school. You know what I mean? It's 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 not all roses in downtown. You know, very liberal metros where they're locking people down as well.
0: Well, I just think that's going to change over time. Where I think the next few elections. Um, will we'll be, it'll, it's not even Republican uh, Democrat anymore. It's literally let us live our life and let mm-hmm. us get back mm-hmm. to making adult decisions. And mm-hmm. I think the Sun Belt is doing a better job of letting folks make adult decisions. Now, I'm not gonna get into my thoughts on the virus and everything else, that's, that's for a different time. I would just tell you when, again, observing, talking to the people mm-hmm. that are here. When I talk to somebody from California that's moved here full-time, and I'm asking them why they're here, low taxes is like the 10th reason. Yeah, here. that's true. Um, that's true. They are moving because they want to live a life. They want their kids in school. I know you said that some downtowns or some metro metros are shut down for a second, but as a whole over the last yeah. two years, it is so polarizing how different things are. And I'm bullish on folks that are offering freedom,
1: personally. Yeah, my, my uh, Freedom is a great thing to pay for. My poor friends in Canada could, had to be home by 10 p.m. on New Year's Eve because they're basically telling people that they can't go outside. They cannot be outside. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not, not, a, I'm not an overly political person either, but that's that is absolute absurdity. So you're right. I think the South. That's why I live in Athens, Georgia, is that I get to make the decisions that to do what I want to do, and everybody else gets to do what they want to do as well, which I think is pretty fine system. <laughs>
0: I'll, I'll, I mean, it, again, I, it's tr- it's it's so easy to make this so, so polarizing. But even watching the CDC walk back so many things and doctors that have been accomplished for decades are being erased off the internet. It, this is mass hysteria. And there are a lot of children and a lot of people that are going to be... Um, this is going to linger on in their life for way longer than it ever should have. And Again, I'll end it by saying one reason why I'm bullish on Texas, Florida, and the Sunbelt, they are offering, to what I've seen right now, the best opportunity to get back to a life of pre-COVID than we've ever seen. My mm-hmm. hope is the rest of the country does that quickly. Um, and if I know America like I think I do,
1: they, they will eventually. But yeah. right now, it is black, black and white. It's yeah. so polar opposite. I, I have faith that 95% of Americans want to get back to normal life. And, and I think it's the loud 5% that are affecting a lot of these places. So I, I'm bullish as well. I'm, I've been I've been guiding this conversation, Chris. I'm going to let you take the lead on a couple of these. All right.
0: Well, this will be a good one because you are a fully remote overseas company. I'm an in-office company. I think the office is coming back. What do you
1: think about the office? Actually, I had a note on this to talk to you about this. And I want to ask you a question. Um, I don't want this to turn into a Chris mentor Nick uh, situation, but most of the times we're together, that happens because <laughs> I respect your opinion a lot. Um, we are starting to fi- to consider having an office in Athens. I mean, we are growing really quickly. We have some awesome talent that we've been going out and recruiting. We have people that are tired of sitting in bedrooms working in in environments that are not conducive to getting to know anybody. We have, you know, we want to. We want to build a culture. I mean, it's really, really hard to have friendships and have experiences and memories with these people that we work with when we're on the internet and we get together once a year to drink as much beer as we can on a golf course and then say goodbye to each other. I don't want to be tied to... Uh, that's, that's the other dilemma, right? I don't want to be tied to an office. I, I want to have the flexibility to go live my life and travel. I have young kids right now. I'd, I'd really like an office now. But man, I'm excited about work. Like Sunday night comes around and I can't wait to get up in the morning so I can check reports and look at how we're doing and analyze the AdWords and see how the new deals are coming along and talk to our acquisitions team. So I don't know. We, we'd we never be able to take everybody in-house, right? We love our team overseas. We love our team yeah. down in Columbia. Um, our, our CFO does not want to leave Boston. But I think the rest of our team would be pretty damn open to relocating to an awesome town like Athens, Georgia.
0: So look... I think when I um, talk about the office, people just automatically assume it's like everybody must be here five days a week from eight to six and sit at your desk, and it couldn't be further from the truth. Um, What we do want is an office where people can come and collaborate, where you can get to know the people that you're working with. And I'm just going to say it um, again: I would love for people to disagree with me. This is it's great. Um, If your executives and your managers are in the office. And you want to be heard and your ideas to be heard, and you want to collaborate and innovate, it's a lot easier to happen in the office. I think we're going to experience this period of FOMO, which will, as it'll start to roll out, where there will be this whole group that's like, we're not going back to the office. Great. But some of their peers will be in the office. It'll take about a year for decisions to be made, promotions to be made, things to happen. And what you'll see is this FOMO effect. Oh my, you know, something happened great to my friend. I wonder if that's because he was in the office. Nobody's actually gonna say that's why it happened, but there will be that vibe. I'm telling you right now, the deals that we're getting done right now, we're meeting people in person. Like it isn't happening over Zoom. It's just not. Um, You and I went to Miami and we spent all this time together for three days. Would you have enjoyed it if we just like maybe put a Miami background on our Zoom screen and just chatted for three days? No, you would have been miserable.
1: Yeah, it's um, really not the same. It's so really not the same. I'll give, you, I'll give you a direct example. You can keep going. I want you to keep going. But I'm gonna give you a very direct example that backs up what you just said. Uh, my job in my company right now is to track down talent and figure out who fits where in my company. That's all I'm working on. Who fits where? Who does what? How are we going to build a company that goes from 30 people to 300 people and have people in the right situations to manage that? I have great, talented people that I have not seen or talked to outside of a formal Zoom meeting with 10 other people in six months. I don't know how they think about the world. I don't know how they think about their jobs. I don't know how they think. And and we do six-month reviews where I get on a call with them and ask them how things are going. I just called most of those people this week to just touch base with them because I don't even know how they're feeling about their job. Yep.
0: Dude, that's tough. And so it's not a... We have
1: hybrid. People can work
0: from home when they want sometimes. But the core of our business is going to be at an office. And that's a decision we're making. I think all these corporate companies are playing chicken with each other. As soon as Goldman comes back, all the banks are coming back. It's a big game. And it's all being held hostage by the media. You really talk to these people that are running these big corporations when they're not on the media. They're all like, we need to get back. We should be back. This is stupid. I can't believe we're kicking this out another three months. But everybody is being held hostage by who's going to be in the headlines for literally going back to the office, which is insane to me that that is two years into COVID, like this thing that we're still talking about. I'm just one opinion. um, But I think it's going to be important, whether it's in an office, people are social creatures. um, It's always been that way. And by the way, for the people that think we should never go into an office again, um, I would I would ask yourself, do you expect your doctors to be in offices when you need to go to the doctor? Do you expect people to be at a restaurant when you show up to a restaurant? So <laughs> you expect everybody to be somewhere except for yourself. It's not going to work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, nobody's ever going to say, hey, you're getting promoted because you were in the office or, hey, your idea won because you were in the office. But people will understand over time, It's this. it's been a same for hundreds of years, you want to be in the room. Mm-hmm. Period. End of story. I would tell young people all day, be in the room and you'll probably make it quicker. And I'll end that by saying I'm going to get attacked by some of the tech people. There are industries <laughs> and tech industries where you can be fully remote, never in an office and it works. It doesn't work in businesses where client-facing sales. Things of that nature happen on a day to day basis.
1: It just doesn't. You got me fired up. I'm going to call Danny right after this and try to sell Get in him an office. Maybe. <laughs> I, I had a tweet back in September 4th, 2020. I just searched it and pulled it up. The folks who work from home don't call the shots. The folks who want to work from home don't call the shots, and the folks who call the shots don't want to work from home. <laughs> and I think Chris, you call the shots for sure. And you the, don't the other part.
0: Home. And again, like I. I it's, it's a, it, I can't believe that the office is like this polarizing topic for so many people, but even just like living with kids at home and trying to get work done, you see people post all the time, like, I love working from home and they're not working. They're like out on a walk or they're like doing stuff. It's like, okay, but you, even if you're going to work from home, you got to work some, uh-huh. some point. And I would tell you, most people, whether they say it publicly or not, I know they say it privately, would say productivity is at all-time lows for a lot of companies that still haven't brought people back. And I would say to the folks in America that are all excited that they can work from home, um, there are certain roles that if you can work from home in America, it's what you just said, then it can be done in the Philippines. That is only a short-lived window where, yeah, you might be working from home in America in some roles for a period of time. But that thing's gonna get outsourced pretty quickly. Um, uh-huh. and that will happen over the next decade. So people will look up a decade from now. And to young people, I mean, we see it now with folks recruiting. You know, on one end, we actually have an advantage. A lot of people are asking, are you in an office? I do not want to work from home. I want to work from companies where I have a place to go and, and meet people and be mentored. And especially for young people, we didn't even talk about this. Imagine being your first day at work, being at your bedroom table. And trying to learn from people that have been in the business for 30 years. They don't want to spend 2 hours on Zoom every day trying to mentor you and teach you life skills. Um, It just doesn't work that way. And it's just like crazy that I even have to like explain (laughs) this to people. Um, But I would would just end that by saying, um, you see a lot of young folks right now that feel very entitled. They're coming with a list of demands. I will work for you if, you give let me work from home if I can be flexible, if you know, that is you are in a window right now that you may regret that decision long term if the world thinks it's going to go back to possibly even close to the way I think it will go back. And I am one opinion of seven billion people. I'm not saying I am the right. It's a prediction. We made a prediction.
1: Yeah, we're making predictions. You're putting your money where your mouth is. As well by doing some investing in office, which I think is awesome. We'll see where we'll see how it plays out. We could be wrong. Um, I think it'll it'll always be hybrid. We're going to be. I I think one of my big advantages. I can find great talent that does not want to come into an office, and I'm okay with that. I can manage that. It's not going to be a requirement for me. I'm just starting to see the benefits of having our core group of decision makers inside of Bolt Storage together for happy hours, for meetings, for things in an office. Right. So we'll see. I will just say this. And I might be get laughed off the stage here. I, I think love this com- side of Chris. I, I love think this. your really company. Do this often.
0: I think your company will get a lot better, not just by buying more shit, but better cohesiveness, team decision making. If you get an office, period. End of story. That that is a uh, that is a heavy, heavy that has a heavy uh,
1: pull, Chris. I've told you a lot
0: of things over the last two or three years. I, be, I truly believe that. And I think...
1: Well, you've changed, you've changed my life. One thing you changed my life on was one of your recent podcasts. I'm going to give you a shout out. Um, you talked about how to build a sustainable real estate private equity company. And you've been preaching that to me for a year and a half since I met you. And it has changed everything about the way that we have our fee structure, the way that we make sure that even if we're not doing deals, we can, we can you know, make payroll... Um, we're getting compensated for any bit of work we're doing throughout the process. And uh, it's just so much better. It's it's so much better of a way to build a company because I can go out and attract talent now. I have the money to pay them. We can get great people working on these deals. Gosh, I'm excited about how Bolt Storage... I'm excited about the structure of Bolt Storage because of that advice. And I feel like I can go out and I can attack... The job market and and get people away from their jobs to come work for me, and I can feel confident about paying them well. I'm not stressed about making payroll. I can bring in really good people to manage these assets. It turns out that's what our LPs want too. (laughs) I know.
0: I know. We have built such an amazing team at Fort. Just a bunch of really talented folks that care about each other, that want to do better. Um, Not just financially, just in life. Really in life, and to provide that environment with no money to to spend on anything. is just a very tough way to do it. And
1: so... People would be surprised how many real estate private equity shops could not make payroll if they were not doing deals.
0: Oh, uh, we'll find out at some point.
1: It, yeah. It's uh, cutting, cutting down your fees, giving into the LPs, or just thinking that LPs want that, that you'd be on a shoestring budget and give all the upside to the cash. I mean, Operations is arguably harder to come by and more important than capital right now, so yeah it's it's a it's a blessing it's a blessing that you gave that advice i'm gonna I'm gonna think hard about this office stuff, but um, do you think inflation is likely to be segment specific Chris, with uh, goods for new home builds going up while technology goes down as an example um, increased post pandemic do you see those things increase post pandemic migration trends?
0: yeah i think Um, if if it relates to construction we're so behind on housing in this country um i mean we are so behind that is one thing we weren't in 08 we were in front of the curve and that is as much has to do with this nimbyism the polarization of new development and cities taking forever to get things approved um and it screws everything up it's hard to get jobs scheduled lined out when you don't know your timeline because you know somebody forgot to do an inspection or so it the whole process is really strained right now and so yeah i think um i think it'll be segment specific but i think yeah material costs and things for building it's without just a total collapse where everything stops and everybody has to reprice it's hard to see how the cost of buildings going down anytime soon
1: somebody says can a regular joe with no storage experience still get into self storage? Or are the Nick Hubers making it near impossible? Nick is
0: a regular Joe.
1: I'm a regular regular Joe. Joe. Um, Absolutely, you can. Um, I don't even buy deals that are under a million dollars now. The best deals and the life-changing deals are under a million dollars. A friend of mine from upstate New York bought a $400,000 building. He's just a guy with a family who had a $100,000 a year job. It's worth a million dollars now. Life-changing money. He's 33 years old, 18 months later. um, There are lazy real estate operators everywhere. There are rich people who don't care about their real estate. They play golf. They ignore it. They don't lease it. They don't check AdWords. They don't make sure they have a Google My Business location. There is juice squeeze all over this world. I'm going to leave you with, look up from your damn computer screen. Everybody wants to start a business on the internet. Everybody wants to see how they can make money <laughs> online. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. Get out there. Look in your town. Look in your world. You're in. You're in a very limited geographical region where people need goods and services done right then. They need a place to put their stuff. They need industrial real estate. They need offices. Fill some of those needs and get yourself rich. I mean, it's ridiculous. People are, uh, okay, I'm going to step off my soapbox now, but that's, that's that's my parting soapbox. two cents.
0: What drives oil to a hundred? I'll end it. Um, uh, one, our capital budgets to drill oil are at all-time lows, yet the world is at all-time highs for demand. Everything you're looking in the background of my screen and his screen is made of petroleum. Um, This ESG narrative, while it's great, it's it's, people are hallucinating, thinking that we don't need oil and gas. And this idea that by not drilling it in America and letting them drill it over in Iraq and Iran and overseas, we're somehow doing the world any good. Those are less uh, safe places with worse environmental controls. And it's not like the pollution, if you drill in Iraq, just stays in Iraq. We're one globe. Like, it, it, it goes everywhere. And the last thing I would say, all these countries, we're so, in, uh, you know, we, we're so privileged to be in the United States, but all these countries and um, these third world countries, they're not going from literally walking down dirt roads to get water to a Tesla. Like they're going to go through the fossil fuel generation before they get there, and those countries are coming on like crazy. And so, all time load um, supply for people drilling and mining for oil and gas, and all time high demands. And our country is doing no good by just assuming that we'll just look the other way and hope it all works out. It's
1: heading to a hundred bucks. I like it, Chris. I like it a lot. Um, how do you learn the self storage business? Well, this is a good time to shout out Chris's podcast. The he has The Fort with Chris Powers. Mine is called The Nick Huber Show. Mine is a direct lens into real estate through the self-storage perspective. That's the best place to start. Make sure you follow Chris on Twitter. Thank you, everybody. Thank for you, listening. guys. This was awesome. Thanks, Nick. Have a good rest of your week and go out there and kick some butt. Goodbye. See you, buddy. Hey everyone, it's Chris here again. Thank you
0: so much for joining me on this journey. If you enjoyed the show, please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or subscribe on YouTube. Thanks again, and I'll see you on the next episode. Chris
1: Powers is the founder and chairman of Fort Capital LP. All opinions from Chris and guests of the Fort Podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Fort Capital LP. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for real estate or investment decisions. The Fort with Chris Powers is produced by Straight Up Podcasts.